just want to say hi to any listeners out there. If anybody's listened to my new podcast, this is Insignificant Man. Just put together some recordings, uh, my thoughts, and wanted to share them with people. I also have a channel on YouTube under the same name, Insignificant Man. I put together videos and any other visual aids that I can add to the talks. But if you are not able to access YouTube, my podcasts are available on a lot of different platforms through anchor.fm. So I hope you enjoy and I hope you listen and I'll get started. Okay, I'm back here with part two of Angels Raw and Emmanuel. I'm going to try to explain the title a little bit better. Uh, why did I title it that? Well, I wanted to maybe show the difference and similarities between Angels Raw, Emmanuel, and in the Christian world, Emmanuel is said to be God himself. There we go. I'm going to try to attempt to, uh, to kind of clear this up, but uh, I don't know how well it's going to go. I'll do my best. But anyways, to start off with angels and Ra. So what are these beings like we talked about earlier? Aliens. What really is the difference between angels and aliens? Ra in the channeling sessions describes themselves as a higher density being and within our existence of this universe or that what we know of in this octave, we have first density through seventh density. Past seventh density, the raw group is unaware uh, since they have not been that far, so they have not evolved past that point. So all they know about is what they've experienced themselves. When you look at the raw channelings, the law of one material, and then you look at the angels, and you see a lot of similarities between the way Ra is describing the different density beings. So you have ourselves in third density being, flesh, blood, and... Um, our bodies are not eternal. And then you go to fourth density, which is density, density, excuse me, density of love. Then you have fifth density, which is the density of wisdom. And then you have sixth density is the density of combining love and wisdom, uniting together. Every step up in density you go, it's like another step up in light and brightness. When you see those videos on YouTube of you know angels kind of standing in the hallway, and it, you know the camera catches nothing but bright light, most likely what we're seeing is what Ra describes, and what other eyewitnesses have described in the Bible, and other texts as well. You know, is just big giant balls of light, blinding light. Is most likely just a higher density being showing their true selves to us so we can see, but to us we just perceive it as pure light. So from my understanding, the more you evolve in this existence, this creation, you graduate closer to light. And we know the, the original source of light, the purest form, uh, purest white light there is, is back at the source of the creator, who in the beginning created light. From that, that light came from him, his infinite energy, and we call that energy love. So angels of the Bible and raw my best understanding is they're they're both very similar. They're just different groups that have grown up in different locations at different times. I'm guessing that the angels we know of, like Gabriel and Michael, referred to as the guardians in the Book of Enoch, I'm guessing that they've just been around longer. They're older. They're probably higher density, maybe seventh density. And Ra is a younger group of sixth density. So you can kind of see anything after third density is 
you know, a higher consciousness further up the scale towards light. So what that means as far as the type of bodies, you know, I can't exactly <laughs> explain it. I'm not that good at it. Uh, when I read it, I, I know I'm just blown away. I'm like, wow, this just sounds amazing. And how that works and everything, I, I don't know. I, I can't really explain it this time. But as far as angels and raw go, they are higher density beings. And, and what's described is these guardians, which some of these guardians, John the Apostle that uh, wrote the book of Revelation, he was introduced to some of these beings via room with 24 thrones and the 24 elders with crowns. These are also higher density beings, which also showed their their powerful abilities, I guess, to uh, show things to John and to take him places to see visions and the dragon and the beasts and all this stuff. So they they also talk about incarnation, higher density beings incarnating into third density. And we've all heard this story. I'm guessing most of the planet has at least heard this story at least once. The story of Emmanuel or Jesus, as the Christian world calls him. So we have Emmanuel. He incarnated into human form from previously being a higher density being he was allowed to incarnate so his spirit was allowed to incarnate into third density well ra goes into a lot of detail on kind of the <laughs> it's the process i guess not really how it's done but just why it's done and it's not exactly a for sure thing because the universe creation the one infinite creator has created a perfectly balanced environment for people to learn and have choices. But to do that, first and foremost, you must preserve free will. So you need perfect balance to preserve perfect free will, which preserves choice. And then it also allows for positive side and negative side events to occur and conflict, and then which creates more catalyst environment to make more choices. So... If the one we call Jesus, or Emmanuel, if he incarnated in third density, who's to say a lot of other higher density beings haven't incarnated or reincarnated however many times into third density? I don't know if anybody's heard the term star seeds or wanderers. Uh, they talk about it in the channeling sessions. They're given an answer that there are a lot of beings, loving beings, that are trying to help out the collective consciousness consciousness of our whole race on this planet to help elevate us. So they've taken the risk to incarnate into third density after previous being, previously being fourth, fifth, or sixth density. So they reincarnate, but they have to go undergo a forgetting. This is the only way to preserve the balance and to preserve free will. So they have to, their mind has been kind of cut in half what we know as the conscious and unconscious so that unconscious mind your subconscious that's the forgetting that's that veil that's been put on us that preserves free will and allows us to live multiple lives over and over again without breaching free will and we are able to possibly 
correct the mistakes we've made before and that's what I believe is the reason for some people having a stronger conscience than others and they, others that don't have as strong of a conscience to do good or they just want to go the negative way and you know hurt people and put themselves first you know, the angels and raw in as far as I know I'd put them in the same classification we'd call them all angels but these are just higher density beings and actually groups of beings their consciousness are linked um, they think as a group which is interesting because now they know each other everybody knows everybody's thoughts which in my opinion is amazing because <laughs> once you can finally get over people being you know being scared of what people think of you with the things you've done in the dark I mean, there are no dark corners anymore when people know everything about you but people understand that that's how creation is made for people to make choices and make decisions, good or bad, and for the individual to decide for themselves what is more beneficial to them. So judgment is eliminated when there's no more dark corners and everybody knows your thoughts and you can share your thoughts. But I think the, uh, you know, and you might think that's scary. And yeah, there's times I <laughs> think about it, I'm like, man, I really did not want people to know that I did that or that or that. But, you know, once you can get it out of the way, that initial flush of everybody knowing what everybody's ever done, but at the same time, they know everything you've done. So it's kind of like a neutral ground, and then you can move past together. So I think if there's ever a day when we can all join together and truly be as one in one thought, I think it'd be amazing. So Emmanuel is coming from an existence like this incarnating into third density and he's having to relearn everything on his own and has to relearn what he's already known his whole previous existence so these are higher density beings coming in you know guardians angels whatever you know, trying to help us trying to help the the growth of fourth density transition. Now remember it can be either positive or negative. So you can go in a positive direction, loving others first, or you can go in a negative direction, loving yourself first. But they're wanting this hot or cold because they want to have the highest yield possible. So this continues the process of evolution. So the whole purpose of prophets and then Emmanuel coming down is trying to spread the truth. So when you know the truth, you no longer have to rely on guessing. You no longer have to rely on faith. Because the more you know, the more sure you are in every decision that you make. And one side note real quick, you know, just on that word faith, I threw out there real quick. I mean, if anybody has any word that they would associate with religion, my guess would be, like the first word I would spit out is faith. Because you got to have faith. You have to believe in, in what's unseen. That's very true. You got to have faith. Like if someone's going to pay you a million dollars, you got to have faith that they actually have a million dollars. <laughs> but here, here's the thing. What religions don't talk about is what happens when you get that million dollars. Now you know it's true. You no longer have to rely on faith. So say someone tells you, hey, your car out in the parking lot has its headlights on. Oh, all right. Well, I'll just take them at their word. Yeah, I, I have faith that they're not lying to me. Okay, I go out there, I check the parking lot, check my car. Sure enough, my headlights are on. I no longer have to rely on faith because I know. 
I've gained the knowledge that puts faith aside, and now the knowledge is what catapults me. So faith in my mind has always been kind of like a, a Band-Aid that gets you to the point of a stronger foundation. Like it's a, it's a raft floating on water until you can get to shore. So you believe you can get to, to a, a landing spot, and you're looking for a landing spot. And once you finally learn, you know, man, you can put that raft on uh, solid ground. You can get off, and now you can run. And you can run as fast as you can because you know you're on solid ground. You know you have footing. You have traction. You can go. So one thing I'd really like people to just contemplate and think about is where does faith end? And would you want faith to ever end? You know, hope is associated with faith. And, yeah, I never, you know, I think there's still a difference between the two because I always hope someone has a good day. I always hope in people's lives getting better and better. I always hope for people to find the truth. And I hope that uh, that uh, their loved ones are no longer sick, you know, and so on and so forth. But because in this life, you, I mean, it, it, everything can either go one way or the other. You never know. There's so many options to every single circumstance in our life. But what we forget to think about is looking forward to the time in any situation where we no longer have to rely on faith, and now I know. So now I know it's possible. Like, man, I'm going to throw this ball down to you. Are you going to catch it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, the guy throwing the ball is like, all right, I got faith in you. The guy catching the ball is like, all right, I got faith in you to get it to me. Okay, so they both go out there with faith, believing in each other. It happens. Well, what do you know? Now they know they can do it. So it's no longer faith. It's no longer belief in something you don't see. Now you believe in something you know. And I really believe that that's what Emmanuel is trying to tell people is faith is like training wheels. The real engine is knowledge. And what we need the most is knowledge, and not knowledge of half-truths or lies, knowledge of the truth. And that's why truth is so important. So if it's half-truths, that means there's all kinds of distortions going on. We're looking through fuzzy lenses, and we need to strip those multiple layers of fuzziness away until we have a clear picture. So that means our biases. Whatever religion we've grown up with, we have all kinds of biases and distortions on how we think about things but are we thinking about things and make forming our opinions and making our choices based off of a good solid foundation i, mean, I can't tell you that uh, everybody is going to have to decide for themselves and everybody has a different background you know people grew up in good homes people grew up in broken homes some people grew up in homes with tons of siblings some people you know only sibling or only child so there's so many different situations and backgrounds for everybody, but that's what everybody has to go through to learn what they need to learn. Everybody's in their own stage of growth, and everybody's at a different phase of learning, which is also, you know, brings back judgment. You know, that's why we we need to think of ourselves more as being one group, and we are one in the Creator, and we don't need to judge each other because everybody's at a different phase of their evolution and growth. Those are the choices they make. You know, doesn't mean you have to like them. And if they affect you directly, you know, you can do something about yourself or loved ones around you. But to just judge people and to shun them because of those choices, you know, how loving is that? So then it comes back down to that foundational decision. Love. How are you going to love? And in what way are you going to love? So here's Emmanuel coming down, was an angel, 
what we call an angel, a guardian, a higher being, a higher density being, and in his group, and I don't know what group he was a part of, maybe the guardians, I don't know. Uh, he talks about it in Talmud of Emmanuel. That's pretty interesting. So he's coming down and he is trying to fix and make corrections on the half-truths and biases that have formed the history of the Jewish nation. Right off the bat, he doesn't even hesitate. He says exactly who he is. He is not God. He, his mother was Mary, but his father was the one we call Gabriel. And as soon as I say that, man, people, you know, you guys might be like, what the heck is this guy talking about? Oh yeah, crazy, right? So, you know, back in the day, what was the only way to get pregnant? Well, sexual intercourse. Is that the only way to get pregnant nowadays? Absolutely not. So if these beings we call the guardians, angels, Gabriel, Michael, if they created our race, and the one we call God, which is their ruler, their king, which God means king of wisdom, their king of wisdom decreed that Adam and Eve were to be made, so we were created, and however they did that, did that, I don't know. I mean, these beings are so spiritually evolved and powerful, they can form things with their thoughts and minds. And it's, it's amazing that, you know, we kind of forget about simple things like when you think about something, when you picture something in your mind, where is that space? <laughs> when you think about things and you focus on things, can you make them happen? I believe absolutely. Sports is a good one. You visualize and you see yourself doing it. Your body follows and you do it. People that focus on whatever kind of work they do, focusing on making something happen, they're putting energy into it. They're focusing on it. They're, they have it in their mind. They're making that image in their mind become reality. Well, when you look at these beings, they can actually do that with matter. So they can actually form things using the power of light and the creator, what we call the Holy Spirit, that infinite energy, and they can focus and they can they can bring something into existence in the physical plane. And it's called a thought form. Because you use your mind to think of it, you created it in form. We also know that in vitro fertilization is a reality and women no longer have to have sex to become pregnant. Is it possible that Gabriel was Emmanuel's father? Absolutely. It's definitely possible. Is it possible that Mary was impregnated without Gabriel having sexual intercourse? Absolutely. I really do think it's possible. And, and I really do think that's how it happened. One of the reasons is, if you keep reading, one of the angels that comes down later when the tomb is empty, he won't even let Mary... Magdalene touch him because he says he has a special suit on and if he touches her she's going to just burst into flames now when you start reading the raw material and, and getting into the description of higher density beings these are powerful beings you're talking about beings that possibly have the power of the sun coursing through them so I don't know about you but I want to touch that socket I mean, 110 is enough for me. <laughs> and for crying out loud, would Gabriel want to have sexual intercourse with a third density being? Most likely not. I'm guessing that a perfect explanation for this is it was by ways of fertilization. 
by some other means. I couldn't tell you exactly how, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't sexual intercourse. So anyways, as the story goes, you know, Joseph was going to leave her, but uh, Gabriel came to Joseph later and told him not to, and this is why, and then he stayed with her, and then the rest of the story continues. So at some point later in life, in Jesus' life, sorry, or Emmanuel's life, he decides that it's time for him to start spreading the word to the Jewish nation, but also anyone who will listen. He starts talking to large crowds and telling him what he knows and what he's discovered. And if anybody is starting to get the impression that I'm trying to take away from anything Jesus did, I am not trying to do that whatsoever. I personally think that the Talmud of Emmanuel actually strengthens what we already think of Jesus. Even if Jesus himself says that he is the son of Gabriel, I don't think this takes away from him whatsoever. I think it makes it more amazing that he's always told the truth and people have changed it out of ignorance because they didn't either they forgot what he was saying or they didn't just they just didn't quite understand it to begin with so these angels raw and emmanuel higher density beings well they all follow this one law really and there's distortions within this law and the law is the law of one which means that everybody everything is one under the one infinite creator so these beings they they will call themselves god and we'll take that as, oh my gosh, that's God, because we're ignorant people who are still building mud huts back in the day and fighting with sticks and staffs and swords, and our understanding is limited. But the reason they're calling themselves God is because that's their perspective, because they are one with the one infinite creator. And if you are one with the one infinite creator, you technically are the creator. And when your spirit is joined in total oneness with the Creator, you become the Creator, and the Son has now inherited everything from the Father. And I really believe that's what uh, you know the texts in the Book of Revelation describe: is us inheriting everything that we see. So to inherit everything that the Father has, well, that's to become the Father. Because of our misunderstanding, thinking that the Creator and God are the same thing, when Jesus said, I and the Father are one, people at the time, and even today, they take that as saying, Emmanuel was claiming to be God. What Emmanuel was really saying is that he and the Father, meaning the Creator, because he makes a distinction later that there is a difference between the Creator and God. God is a creation of the Creator. So he was created by creation itself. The highest being is creation. He created God. Now God is a higher consciousness being that we can't even comprehend, but there is a distinction between the two. So in our ignorance, when we hear Jesus say, I and the Father are one, we take that to mean that he is God. But there is a distinction. In the law of one, everything is one under the Creator. So Jesus was calling the one infinite Creator Father. There has been a lot of misconceptions on who Jesus is re actually referring to when he says Father. And in this case, I and the Father are one, as he is one with creation. And under the law of one, we are all one with creation. But if there is a pecking order, a hierarchy that you would go through, the one infinite creator is at the top. And everything he creates below is a co-creator. Everything created from those co-creators are co-co-creators. 
And everybody has the ability to create. Even the human race has ability to create. We create uh, children. We create buildings. We create machines. You know, we create all kinds of stuff. So in the large picture, there is one infinite creator. He created all the stars. Well, all the stars, he gave power and authority to create with free will. And they can create any way they want, which means different rules of physics, different rules of whatever. Are majority of them the same? Or how drastic are they? I don't know. I only know this star. So this is the, the creation I know. But all those stars have infinite energy that they're pumping to these planets. And they're creating the fullest potential possible, which are creating, which are growing beings and spirits and allowing an environment bringing forth an environment, the one infinite creator can experience every last little bit of existence. So he experiences everything through his creations. So our misunderstandings of God, Jesus, or Emmanuel, and who he really is, it's kind of hard to wrap our heads around when we never quite understood most important foundation, and that is their perspective of the law of one. For example, when I was little, angels, do they go to church? Do they have a temple? <laughs> like, what do, what do they do to worship? Like, is it just the same thing we do? Because we have all different kinds of religions. So when Gabriel goes home, like, does he go to church every Sunday? I don't know. What does he do? do what, what do they actually believe in? They're always trying to help us with cryptic, uh, in cryptic ways, but we really have no concept or idea of what they truly believe. They've been trying to tell us, you know, like I said, cryptically, without breaching free will, you know, they're the gardeners, so I'll believe that they know more about growing humans and, and spirits than I do, but, you know, the other part of me wishes they would just come out and flat, uh, flat out said it, but maybe they have, and I think they absolutely did. But it was all covered up. So Jesus, your Emmanuel, in the Talmud of Emmanuel, has been saying very clearly that everything is one under creation. Even the one we call God that created us through his sons, the celestial sons, Gabriel, Michael, and all the likes, through us, that was them serving creation. No matter who you are or what you are, everyone in creation is serving the one infinite creator whether they're choosing good, choosing bad, because the only whole thing in existence is infinite, and that's the one infinite creator. He's not male, he's not female, he is whole. He is, male and female just describes one part, one half of a whole. So male and female actually has to do with energy. Energetically, you bring a male and female together, now they are one solid unit. We think of it just sexually, but the whole point of male and female is to bring the energy of a, of a male together, which is positive, and the energy of a female together, which is negative, has nothing to do with good or bad. You bring them together, and now you can turn that flashlight on. You know, Now you can light that light bulb. We all know who, how batteries work. The one infinite creator doesn't need a second half, doesn't need a second battery to turn on a light bulb. He is the light bulb. So he's the only whole thing in existence, and he's infinite. But the description I'm gathering is the one we call God he is actually human, but of a higher consciousness and density that we can even comprehend. To call him human almost seems like unfair, but our understanding is limited, so this is what our language has to describe it. Trying to move along here, Jesus called himself 
God saying, I and the Father are one. Well, the Father, who is he talking about? God, the one who created our physical presence? Or is he talking about the one infinite creator? Well, in the Atonement of Emmanuel, he is specifically talking about the creator, or he says creation. So he just uses the word creation, and he is very sp explicit about the separation between creation and God. And even in the Talmud, they write God with a lowercase g, because he is not the one infinite creator. So if you believe in the law of one, then you believe you are one with the creator. And we should all strive for this, because this is what Jesus was telling his disciples. He called, He told his disciples to call him brother. So wait a second. If you're the if you're if you're saying you and the Father are one and you're wanting us to call you brother, that makes us one with the Father as well. Well, yes, that's exactly true because we are all one under creation. The being we call God, who in the book of Revelation is described how is he described? He's described on a throne. How is it? It's emerald and rainbow. Jasper and Ruby, yeah, he has the appearance there is someone sitting on the throne when John goes into the throne room. There's the main throne with altar in front of it, and it's surrounded by the 24 other thrones. But he says there is someone sitting on that throne, and he has the appearance of Jasper and Ruby. Rainbow shines like an emerald, you know, encircling the throne. And then the throne is surrounded by four beings, you know, with different type heads and six, three sets of wings, so six wings total, and eyes everywhere. Even John in the book of Revelation describes a actual being sitting on the throne, and then he describes the lamb sitting on his right hand. So what Jesus claimed to be, he wasn't lying, and he was absolutely truthful in what he was saying. He was absolutely right. He and the Father are one. He and creation are one, and we are his brothers and sisters. We are also one. We were created by the one infinite creator, and we are also one. And what that perspective does is it joins everybody together, or it has the potential of joining everybody together as a species and eliminating judgment. Because now we know there is a difference between God and the creator. And everybody that lives in this world that hates God because, you know, a loving God wouldn't allow all this to happen. Well, this isn't our God's choice. This is creation. And the, the only will that matters is the will of the one infinite creator and creation because he's infinite energy and this is what he has planned and this is what he's designed. And what we have not known before is he's created a world of choice and free will. So do you want free will or do you want someone to tell you what to do? I mean, there's a lot of back and forth. You know, your life isn't going good. You want God to take over or you want the creator to take over and fix things for you. But then at the same time, do you want to complain about not having free will? So, you know, which, which, uh, which better are you going to lie in? I don't know. It's, I mean, that's the part of being human. Like we all have to deal with those decisions and we all have to deal with our perspectives and our anger and the reasons behind that anger and perspectives. So the amazing part is, I'm excited to get to right here, is Jesus said he and the Father are one. And there is a difference between the one infant creator and the one we call God. And we are all one under creation. The amazing thing is that everything we see that is created came from light. 
and that light came from love. So when Jesus said, God is love, he wasn't kidding. And when he was saying God, what we know now, he's talking about creation. Not to say that the one we call God that physically created us isn't a loving God either. I absolutely believe he is on a positive progression of evolution. And he really does love us, but he is, he is also serving the creator just as we are serving the creator. As much as that might hurt us because we have to go through these lessons. We have to learn this and we have to go through pain. We have to go through happiness. We have to go through joy. But the one infinite creator created all this light from when he first became aware and he became love. That is an infinite amount of energy and that is infinite love. So when Emmanuel said, if you believe in me, then you believe in the Father. Well, the Father is love. Jesus is following in the path of love. And he is one with the creator who is love. So Jesus is love and it's selfless love because of what he's doing. I mean, look at his life, the way he was living. He was healing people. He was living a selfless life and he died on the cross trying to get this point across. And the most selfless decision you can make is laying your life down for others. So there is no greater love than to lay your life down for another. Actually, Jesus became the symbol of the most powerful form of energy. And Jesus already knew that he is one with the creator, just like we all need to eventually get there or should strive to get there at that point to become love as well. I mean, you also have to choose if you want to be love others, you want to be uh, service to others or service to yourself, selfless or selfish. So he is the most powerful form of selfless love. He gave up his life. And this is where it gets crazy because the whole Christian religion is based off of this right here is you have to believe in Jesus or you're going to hell. <laughs> and then that's where wars are fought. And it, it's it's huge. It's a huge divide and it's a huge leap because there's some misunderstanding in there. And misunderstandings by the apostles? I, I think so. Were the gospels changed by the people who translated? I think absolutely. Yeah, they wanted to change it to fit their narrative and to accomplish their goals, which was control, power and control. To say that you only, you have to, the only way to go to heaven, the only way to be saved is to believe in Jesus isn't necessarily true. Because if you look at it, Jesus and the Father are one. The Father is love. Jesus became love, the most perfect form of love, selfless love. And then how are the people that lived before Jesus, how, how are they saved and go to heaven? Well, the amazing thing is our concept of heaven is distorted as well. And we reincarnate in multiple lives to help us progress, be, to help us evolve further down that scale of light so when the harvest is here, the gardeners have a full yield, which means when we die, and the Bible talks about this, we do a review of our life, and then we have a choice to reincarnate, and after the review, we want to see what we want to fix, what we need to work on, and we actually design our next life, and we put parameters in there to make sure that we don't go a certain way one direction versus the other, and, and we actually, so we actually are doing that to ourselves. When we think it's God making these horrible, horrible decisions, it's actually us ourselves through free will. We are designing our lives because we look back on the review of our previous life and we see what we want to work on and we are given the free choice and free will to continue down whatever path we want to go down, the positive path or the negative path. 
And then we set parameters if we start going too far the wrong direction with our choices. So the people that lived before Jesus have not been forgotten about. And we don't need to worry about, oh, well, we don't know if they went to heaven because they didn't know who Jesus was and we couldn't believe in Jesus. And and you know, something about that always didn't sit right with me. I knew there was some strong truth about it, but it didn't always feel like the whole truth. And I don't know if anybody out there, anybody else out there feels that way, that it's always just kind of felt a little off. And then if you wanted to question it, you were told, you can't question it. You have to have faith. You have to just believe. Well, what's wrong with knowing the truth? What's wrong with knowing? Knowing is more powerful, isn't it? Uh, I believe so. So the truth is, Jesus, Emmanuel and the Father are one. The Father is love. Jesus became love. If Jesus said, if you believe in me, you believe in the Father, which means you believe in love, which means love is what saves Love is what you have to believe in. Jesus, <laughs> sorry, getting all choked up. Anyways, Jesus became love so we could actually see what we needed to believe in. We needed to see what choice needed to be made that was that cornerstone choice. That decision, that core decision, somewhere in your life when you make that choice, that decision, I, want, I believe in love. I believe, you know, and Jesus became that example. So it was like a, a training wheel for something that's always been right in front of us all along. Because in third density, you were born with red, orange, yellow. Every density strives to be the next density above in the evolutionary process. How do you get beings who just live their life in the red, orange, and yellow and are always caught in a cycle of killing and judgment and you name it, the human nature, the human condition, how are they ever going to evolve to that next phase, which is the green energy center, which is right in the smack dab middle of your chest, you know, like it's in your spine, but that's why we feel that burn, that love for people that uh, we care for and the loved ones that we lose, you know, it burns in the chest. That's energy burning in that energy center that is your green light energy center that green is is that purest form of love and that's what actually heals that green light when you separate white light that green light from the creator from the holy spirit that enters the body that green light when it's separated out is what heals and it's what builds you can build things with pure green light you can repair people's bodies. Actually, you don't, the light does. You're just a conduit. Let that green light shine through. And that's what we're trying to evolve to is that green light energy center. And that's what Jesus became. He became a perfect example of love. So if people believed in Jesus and you believed in love, and if you wanted to give your life to Jesus, you're actually giving your life to love. But love has been around since the beginning of time because the one infinite creator is love. And that's the whole point of life, is to make that cornerstone decision that bridges the gap between the red, orange, and yellow to green. And once that, once that bridge is made and that green energy center starts, comes alive, that spark is lit, it can grow. I mean, it can just kind of sit there and smolder as well, or it can grow and it doesn't just have to stop there. So it's like a catapult. It shoots you right up through wisdom, and we know wisdom is 
is definitely achieved. You know, perfect example is just King Solomon. But there, the wisdom in people's writings of you know all the way through history till now. I mean, you see a a big increase of just like common sense and wisdom and and knowledge. And there's a difference between all of that. But you know, you have the old people. They're very wise people. They have a lot of experience. They 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 remember things. They remember the wise choices they made, the, the bad choices they made. So once you cross over into the green, once you believe in love, whether it's going to be love for yourself or love for others, that, that gap has been bridged. So that is what catapults us to what you would say being harvestable. But you can't just, once that bridge is built with that cornerstone decision of love, it has to continue. It has to build. And what builds it is has a lot to do with your motives. And that's the separation between selfish and selfless. So are you making these good decisions? Are you like doing charities to build yourself up? I mean, only you can tell. I can't tell you that. I can't tell you the reason why anybody does anything uh, good. So are they trying to do it um, to just make themselves feel better? I mean, only the individual can can tell themselves that from the outside surface. It, could look and appear to be I mean, these are really good people, but then why are they really doing this? I don't know. It's up to them. I'm not going to sit there and judge. You know, I've done that enough. We want to stay away from that. But anyways, I guess that's kind of the main point I wanted to make for this talk. We'll see if I missed anything first. Made a few notes. Yep, I can write. Every once in a while I can read my handwriting. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit next time about just like the formation of the Bible, the texts, how you can kind of trust some texts over other texts, why some religions have more Bible or more books in their Bibles versus others. Um, can you trust this Talmud of Emmanuel, raw channelings, etc., etc.? And then uh, talk a little bit about that. Then also want to cover a little bit about uh, just the rules that angels have to live by. You know, the gardeners, gardeners have to live by rules <laughs> in this uh, creation. We all serve the one infinite creator. Well, the creator created the laws of nature. So they're serving the laws of nature. They're higher conscious beings, and they are doing their best to serve as well. But what are their parameters that they have to stay within? Talk a little more about co-creators, the one infinite creator, everything underneath it. One thing I kind of forgot to uh, touch on was energy centers. Totally forgot to mention that, you know, the rest of the world kind of knows of them as chakras. So chakras and energy centers, same exact thing. But yeah, the main point for this talk has just been what exactly Jesus meant by he and the Father are one. What he meant was he is the Father is love. He is love. If you believe in Jesus, you believe in love. And to make that choice to truly believe in love and live the rest of your life believing in love, that is the cornerstone decision, and that is what Jesus, what Emmanuel did for us. So there is nothing that the Talmud of Emmanuel takes away from anything that Emmanuel did. And then uh, cover some other little topics as well as far as uh, forgiveness. So what exactly forgiveness has to do with any of it? And you have forgiveness, and then you have karma. So why is, why is forgiveness so important? Well, where does karma come from? And is it real? Uh, <laughs> I'm willing to bet that everyone listening to this believes in karma and can give 
give quite a few examples of it. I know I can. I just had uh, something happen to me the other day, and my ankle still hurts because of it. Anyways, all right, this is the Insignificant Man signing off. I hope everybody's doing good, and uh, I hope you all take care. All right, later.